Here I am standing in front of all of you anyway. So, um, just to let some of you know, so I'm sure that any of you guys that have kids in our youth department or in our teen department kind of want to know what's going on since Selena has been gone. And so we still have, we still have a leadership team. And so basically it's the Freemans and the Roche. So we've got two different sets of Freemans, so we're kind of outnumbered. But um, so anyway, we get together every once in a while. And so we got together one night and, and I threw this idea about um, defining moments. I just had something laid on my heart about defining moments. So we all, we all, each and every one of us, I can guarantee you guys can think of something that you go through every day that is a defining moment. Some of those are great, some of them are grand, some of them are horrible, right? And, and how we respond to those absolutely define our character and absolutely define and outline our life and how, how, we, how we grow. And uh, unfortunately, some of those, we, we go backwards. And uh, gratefully, sometimes we go forwards. So um, we've, we've had a... So what, basically what we decided to do was all of our leaders, and, and Karen's back there in the back kind of hiding in the sound booth, but she has not said no, and I don't know if any of you know Karen or not, she's very quiet, very, very quiet, but she has not said no that she wouldn't stand up and do a teaching on a Wednesday night. So every one of our, te- every one of our, of our leaders have agreed to do this, and so um, I think everybody's done one except for Bree. She's getting ready to do one this, next, this coming up week, and so what, I, what I've asked and what, what we've talked about is everybody to pick somebody from the Bible, and pick characters from the Bible and pick stories from the Bible. And, and when we met the first night, I wanted to be, uh, this is what I told them, I want to be careful because even as an adult, and I know, I know everybody's been around the Bible and been around church and, and you grew up in church. Some of you have grown up in church, some of you haven't. But you, we start to look at some of these stories and that's exactly what they become. They become stories and it's easy to get hung up that they're fictional, right? And maybe it's a fairy tale or maybe it's, did it really happen that way? Um, and so as we go through these, I want to be very careful to bring to our teens that these people went through the same exact trials, struggles, temptations, and they had to make the same decisions that you and I do on a daily basis. The, some of the differences are, though, you know, right then it was life and death for them. Um, they just lived in a whole different culture than what we do now. So I had, I'd been talking to Pastor Brian, and he asked me if I wanted to do a lesson tonight, and I said that would be fine. And I said, Morgan and I, one, would do it. And so, so I had something laid on my heart, I don't know, months ago that I was going to talk about the next time I got up here in front of all of you. And this morning I woke up, and Atlee was sick, and so I was at home. And so I started, started kind of typing some of it out and going over it. And, I mean, something just came over me and said, you, you can't do that tonight. This is, that's, this, I have something else for you to do. So tonight we're going to talk about Jonah, Okay. All of you know about Jonah. Our, our, I hope all of our little kids would be able to tell this story, probably in a better and, and funnier way than I can. Um, but, but we're going to talk about Jonah. Um, in Jonah, the Lord gave a message to Jonah, right? And very quickly, in, in chapter 1, verse 1, it said, um, basically, it gives, it gives Jonah a, a, a job to do. And it says, go to Nineveh and tell them... Tell, this is your mission. Tell them, um, tell them what's going to happen to them. Um, and, and if you go on into chapter 3, it says, this is what he was to tell them. Um, on the day that Jonah entered into the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Now, I don't know about any of you. I, I don't know that I would want to go in and start shouting that to a, to a city or to a town. Um, so I did a little bit of research to to look up and see what Nineveh, how that was, what that would compare to today. 
And so it said, uh, in, one of the, in one of the commentaries I was reading, it says that um, Nineveh was actually the capital city for Assyria. And uh, Nineveh, the, there was about 175,000 people that lived in Nineveh. So for one guy to go there, I mean, that, that would be like me going into Springfield and just starting to shout and scream and whether they listen or not, I guess that would be up to them. Um, but it's important to look back and see, uh, it doesn't talk about Jonah a whole lot pre-Jonah, pre the chapter of Jonah, but it does talk about um, he grew up and he hated the Assyrians. He just hated them. Um, they, they oppressed everybody. They bragged about how tough and how strong and how big they were and how good they were, and they even flaunted that in front of God. And, and, and Jonah grew up just not, he, he really didn't want anything to do with them, right? And so as soon as, as, soon as God gives Jonah this message, right? Go and tell them that if they do not repent, they're going to be destroyed. Instantly, Jonah basically gets up, and Nineveh's here, and he gets up, and he goes here, or at least he's on route to go here, right? And so he goes down to, I think it was, a, I think it was a, like a shipyard, I think, called Jabba, and so he goes down there, and he gets on this boat, and he's going to head to Tarshish, okay? And so he, he gets on this boat, and they start out, and they get out, and they get out in there, and so they're going along, and everything's fine and dandy. And then all of a sudden, the storm comes up. So through the storm, I mean, everything gets chaotic, and I mean, the wind's blowing, and I mean, the ship. I mean, it, it says it is so bad that the sailors and the crew actually start pitching cargo over the sides of the boat, so that to try to keep them afloat and keep the ship from coming apart and keep them from sinking. And so this whole time, I mean, you can imagine how much how, how chaotic it was. This whole time, and I get car sick just riding in, the, in a car from one side of town to the other in the back seat. Jonah is down below asleep. I mean, you can just imagine how much he's swinging. I mean, I've got to imagine that he was on some kind of cot or something just swinging like a hammock. I mean, I just can't imagine being asleep. So the captain and everybody, they've all, they, they, they all have their own gods, right? And they're, pre, they're, they're praying to other gods. And so they go down there and they tell, they tell, they wake Jonah up and they're like, hey, listen, dude, we're getting ready to go under. Get up, pray to your God, whoever your God is, pray to him and see if he, he can get us out of this mess. So Jonah tells him, he explains to him, you know, I, 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 my God is the God of the heavens and the earth. And this scares the people. They are just, they're just freaked out. And so, uh, because already, he'd already told them, I, you know, it, it kind of goes back and forth in the word, and it, but it says um, he'd already told them that he was running from his God. So through the chaos, right, and so, we, we think, so it says they talk about it. What are we going to do? What are we, we going to do to keep this from, from, from us being a shipwreck and sinking? So Jonah, the Bible has a way of, of if, you don't, if you don't put yourself in that context, if you don't have, if you can't kind of get to that place where they were, it says that they come together and they ask, what are they going to do, right? I have to imagine that they're running around screaming, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And out of nowhere, Jonah just comes up there and he says, throw me in the water. This is my fault. Throw me, throw me in the water. This is, this is, this is all my doings, right? And if that was me and some dude said that and said that the water would calm down, I would probably be chucking him in the water. Just, I, I would help him on his way. But the other sailors, they, they didn't want to do it. They, uh, they didn't want to do it. In fact, they said they started rolling harder and harder and harder trying to get to shore. And they just couldn't get there. So it just got worse and it got worse. And it got worse. And so it got to a point um, to where the sailors didn't have any other choice. Jonah told them again. He said, 
throw me in the water. This is my fault. Throw me in the water. So they, 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 even, they even talked to God a little bit, and they said, listen, we don't want to do this, and, but we don't, want, we don't want this guy's death on our hands. But, you know, obviously they didn't want to die either. So they throw him in the water. And it says instantly, when they, throw him, when, he throws, when they throw him overboard and they throw him in the water, the water's just calm, right? So that it's so, so awesome that these guys stop, these other sailors, they stop in such amazement that they, that they cast away all their gods and they say, I will praise the God of heaven and earth. Because, I mean, it was, it was pure power. I mean, it, they, they saw it in that moment. Put yourself in that moment. They went from death to still waters because they threw some guy in the water, right? I've been on some pretty choppy water in the lake, and, and I'm sure that, and I've been with Alan, and I'm sure that uh, he might have wanted to throw me overboard, but I don't know that it would have done any good. I mean, I've, I'm pretty sure that it still would have been choppy. It just, I would have been walking a long ways if I'd have made it back to the shore. Um, but, uh, let me get back to my place. Um, in one of the commentaries that I was reading, it did say, it said, we have, a, we have a great responsibility to obey God's word because our sin and disobedience can affect and hurt others around us. Let me read that again. We have a great responsibility to obey God's word because our sin and disobedience can affect and hurt the others around us. I'm going to try to keep this pretty short tonight just because we do have teen night tonight. And I want to make sure that we enjoy um, all that that has to offer for our kids, but but also want to. God laid something on my heart this morning, and I got to thinking about this whenever we were whenever I was going through here. And and so all of you all of you know, or most of you know, I know all of our teens know. We've, me and Bree have two little kids. And so before we sold our house, I had a I had a shop, right? And I had a a man cave. I could go do what I wanted to do whenever we had things going on and. I didn't, and the house was a mess. Not that it's ever a mess, we are, but but whenever something just wasn't going quite right, I could go to my I could go to my little happy place and do what I what I needed to do, not what I wanted to do, what I needed to do. And so anyway, a lot of times it was probably a relief for Bree too because my kids would come with me, right? They would come up there with me, and I loved having them up there. It wasn't a problem; they weren't in my way. And so when it talks about your when, when it hit me today when it said uh, our disobedience, our sin and our disobedience can affect and hurt other, others around us. So I'm up there in my shop, and I don't even know what I was doing, but I was, I was tinkering with something. And Kobe, whenever I'd head up to my shop, and Bree's got pictures of it, and, and it's just stuff that is burned in your mind, right? But I've got pictures of it. Whenever I'd go up to my shop, it was about 100 and, I don't know, 200 feet from my house. And whenever I started up to my shop, here Kobe would come with his little bitty toolbox, right? And he had his own tools. And he'd have his own tools. He'd have everything with him. So we get up to my shop, and he's got this little hammer. He's got this little plastic hammer. And I don't, I don't know, you know. It's what guys do, right? You get mad, and something doesn't work, and this computer doesn't work. If somebody had a, a hammer, I'd probably take it and would fix it. If that didn't fix it, we'd put some duct tape on it, and that would fix it. So Kobe takes it. He gets his little hammer out. And I mean, I'm telling you, it's, it's this big. And he's probably, he's probably three years old at the time. I don't know. So he takes this little bitty hammer. Let me plastic hammer. I hear him pecking on things, right? And I'm like, it's not a big deal. He's pecking. It's a little bitty hammer, right? It's just, a, it's just a little thing. It's just a little bitty hammer. So he goes on and goes on and goes on. And I look over there and I see him. No big deal. Well, here comes his sister. She comes up there. Well, I hear something. I hear something hit the ground. Well, I've, we've got a golf cart, 
right? And, and so I had put some lights on the front of the golf cart because we just like to take it through the pass and through the fields. When I wa- Kobe just instantly comes around to, the, to, the, to where I'm working at and he says, I love you, daddy. It's like, I, I love you too. What'd you do? He's like, I, I don't know. I just love you so much. I'm like, okay, I, I love you too, but let, what, what did you do? So I walk around there. Now, how much damage can that little hammer do, right? He had broken the lights out of my, out of my golf cart. I'm like, I, mean, I just put these on there. I'm like, what are you doing? I said, did you know? Did you know you weren't supposed to do that? Yes. Why'd you do it? I don't know. It's like, come on. It's like, dude, right? And so his sister, right? So they're up there playing around it. And they're glass. I thought they'd be plastic lenses, but they're glass. I mean, they're actual glass. So I sweep that up. I'm like, that's the last thing that I need is for him to get cut and, and to hear this when I get back in the house. So I clean all that up. And so we go on about it. And pretty soon he turns the light on and it still works. And, and it's a little bitty halogen bulb, right? Like that. And so I turned it back off. I'm like, no, 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 no. Long story short, he does it again, and his sister's up there, and she's playing around, and I didn't notice that the light was on. Well, she goes over, and I hear her say, pretty. She grabs it. She grabs it. Instantly blisters her fingers, right? Instantly. Because Kobe's disobedience, right, because he, didn't, because he did something he knew he wasn't supposed to do, it affected those around him, right? It affected her. It affected her in a negative way, Right? So whenever Jonah, Jonah, he's instructed in the very first chapter, in the very first verse, it says, go to Nineveh and tell these people, basically, if you do not change your ways, you're going to die. It's it. That's, that's the end of story. That's just how it's going to be. And what's he do? He goes the other way. All right? So now he finds himself going through a storm. He's with a bunch of sailors. And their best hope is to throw a dude over a boat. So they throw him over the boat. So along comes a fish, right? I'm guessing it's a pretty big fish. It swallows a guy up. I've caught some pretty big fish. I've seen some big fish that's been caught. Nothing that I would fit into, right? So like I said earlier, you have to put yourself in that perspective. You have to put yourself in, 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 in reality, right? We don't pick and choose what we believe and what, what miracles and what oddities we do and don't believe. We believe the word, right? We believe that a fish swallowed Jonah, it's not a metaphorical thing. It is that he got swallowed by a fish, right? So whenever you think about that, you think, oh, well, it's probably a whale. Well, that it may very well be. I don't know. Um, so all the pictures that I see, I even, I even got our kids' little Bibles out today, and I started going through them. They have pictures, and it shows Jonah sitting up, right, in this, in this fish. I want you to understand, though, when he was swallowed by that fish, you have to, he's, in the, he's in the stomach of this fish for three days. I'm telling you, before he starts praying, right? I'd have been three seconds in the mouth of the fish. I mean, I go fishing a lot, and they stink. And they are, I mean, they're not, they're not, it could not be comfortable, right? The stomach has to have other stuff in there. We've cut some open, and I mean, you, you wouldn't believe the stuff that's in there. But I mean, three days, three days he's in there, right? And then he starts to pray. And then he starts to pray, and it goes on and on. And, and, and if, you read, if you read chapter 2, Basically, chapter 2 is his prayer. And basically, when it comes down to the very end of it, he comes back to the beginning and he says, you've saved me. You know, he describes it as, a, as basically being buried alive. He says, if you save me from this, I'll fulfill my vows. 
I'll fulfill the vows that, that, that you originally set out for me. What's God do? Makes the fish spit him back out. He spits him out. So, I mean, so then, after he gets cleaned up, I'm sure, I'm good scrubbing for however long. It doesn't say how long, but God demands him. He says, okay, go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh and, and, and gives him the same exact set of commands. Go to Nineveh and tell him, you're going to die if you don't repent. Okay? I mean, I don't know about you. I would have, I mean, I'd have ran. I mean, the last time he didn't do it, he got swallowed by a fish. Who knows what's going to happen? So, um, he gets to, so when we talk about defining moments, he could have, he had a big defining moment wherever he was, when he was asked to go to Nineveh the first time, and he takes off and he runs. That was his choice. That was his decision. That was a moment that defined his character, it defined him as a person, and it absolutely defined his future. So it says in chapter 3, wherever he entered into the city of Nineveh, he started, he started preaching. You know, he started shouting through the crowds, repent or be destroyed. In 40 days, the city will be destroyed. A city of 175,000 people. One guy is coming in here and he's saying, repent, 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 or this place is going to be torn apart. Now, earlier I said that he did not like he did not like, he hated the Assyrians, right? I mean, he didn't, he didn't like them. One reason he didn't want to go, and this is, this is, where, this is where it's hard to wrap your mind around a, a, a prophet. He didn't want to go because he was, he was actually scared that they, would, that they would repent. I mean, he hated them so much that he was scared that they would repent and that they would enjoy God's love the same as you or I, or, or they would at that time. Um, God's people, the Israelites, he, that's, who they thought, that's who they thought God's love was for. And he did not want to share it with them. He, he just didn't want him to have any part of it. So, um, says even, okay, so after, the, after everybody hears him preaching, says even the king steps down, humbles himself, he takes off his robes, he takes off his, his uh, all of his fancy, schmancy stuff, and they, and they cover themselves in burlap, um, which is just a, a symbol of humbling themselves. And, and then the king steps down and he gives him, after, after hearing what Jonah had been saying, he says, he sends out, him, they sent out a decree. And this is, this is what it says. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear a garment of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop their violence. Who can tell? It says, who can tell? Question mark, right? So it's he, this, is, this is their king asking a question. Who can tell? Who can tell? Perhaps yet, even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his fear anger from destroying us. That's a pretty big deal. You know, you get one guy coming in, and I mean, it says that, it says that Nineveh was, was very wicked. It was a wicked and a very powerful, but a wicked and evil town. And you get one guy which God knew in the beginning. I mean, he, said, he, he sent him there. That's why he sent him there, right? So you get one guy to come in, and I think a lot of times we look at ourselves and we say, who am I? Who, why, why, I'm one person. What difference can I make, right? Um, I can tell you Avery Breeden's one little girl, but she saved a whole lot of heartache and headache on me trying to get up here and, and do this tonight. And, and Morgan Blackstock, I was so happy to see her walk in late. I, I, I don't like being up here. And this is way out of my comfort zone, right? Selena always said that here's your comfort zone, and then here's, here's where all the magic happens, right? So I don't, want, I don't want to be up here, but this is where God has, has placed me to be. 
But one person can change everything. And in this case, I mean, he, Jonah goes into Nineveh and he starts preaching and even the king himself comes down and strips himself of everything, humbles himself. And he says, who knows? Who, who knows, right? But that, at that time, he believed. He believed that God was going to destroy them in 40 days. Right? So who knows? He's asking, who knows? Maybe if we do this and maybe we turn from our wicked ways and we turn from our evil ways, maybe, just maybe, God will save us. Well, they didn't know. They could have went just the other way. You know, everybody in town could have went and they could have, they could have went plundering and they could have went done horrible, even worse things than what they were doing. But they didn't do it. I mean, they took it, they took it and they took it to the T. Like I said, I'm going to keep this pretty short. We'll, we'll get out of here before very long. But <clears throat> if, we start, if we start digging in deep and we start looking at our lives, right, um, when everything's going well and everything's going easy, it is so easy to take God for granted. We start, we start believing that it's more about who we want to talk to about what. We start maybe even, maybe even believing that we should probably go talk to these people over here, but we know that's going to be really uncomfortable I really don't want to go do it. I'm going to get mocked. I'm going to get made fun of. And who knows, right? Just like the king. Who knows what they're going to do to us? Who, who knows what's going to happen? But God knows. Um, it, it, took, it took Jonah being swallowed by a fish to reroute his life. I'm not saying that God's not going to, you're out there on the lake one day, I'm not going to say that God's not going to send a giant fish to swallow you up, right? I'm not saying it. I, it, it could happen. But what I'm saying is, what, what, what is your big fish? I don't know. I've got my own struggles that I deal with. I've been called to do certain things. In the past, I, I, feel, like, I feel like God has called me to do certain things, and I've done some of them. I'm doing some of it right now, right? But... I think I've absolutely also shied away from and maybe even ran away from some of those. So I don't know. It may be, it may be, some, it may be something financial. It may be something, a group of friends that you're hanging around with. It may be divorce. It may be bankruptcy. I don't know what it is. But what is your big fish? What is God going to use if you're not following God or if, you have, if you've had a calling or if you've had something telling you, go do this, and you take it upon yourself, and you know for a fact that you're to go this way. But you absolutely run this way. Right? Jonah could have saved himself all this trouble and all this heartache and all of this I mean, being in the belly of a fish for three days. He could have saved himself from all of that. I'm not going to go on into, into chapter 4 very much but, because it's a, it's a sermon all on its own. Um, but you know, he did go... And he did save, the Bible says, the commentary that I read, like I said, it said like 175,000 people. The Bible, a couple different places, it references over 120,000 people, right? And so this is, this is the amount of people that he saved. This is the amount of people that he touched just by being obedient, right? Atlee's fingers would have never got burnt had Kobe not been doing what he shouldn't have been doing. Now, is that a stupid or silly analogy? Probably so. But had, the, had, had that fixture never been broken, had he never turned the light on after I'd told him two or three times not to, she would have never burned her fingers. 
right? Had, had, had Jonah, as soon as he's like, like some of the other prophets, it was very clear. And when they got a message from God, they, they went and it's gone, it's done, right? Praise be to God, the whole thing worked out and that is exactly what they were supposed to do. But instead, when we see Jonah, Jonah does exactly the opposite thing. How many times have you felt a calling or a pull or you just, something that you just can't explain, right? That you just can't grasp. Something that you're... I, I had a conversation with, with a guy the other day and he just said, hey, I got my very first Bible ever in the world. Like, I, got, I got my very first one. And, I said, and he was excited. I said, that is, that's phenomenal. That is awesome. I said, have you read it? Have you read any of it yet? No, I haven't read it yet. I said, you haven't read it yet or you haven't read any of it yet? He said, no, I just haven't read it yet. I said, okay, so this was about 8 o'clock. I was like, okay, so we're going to be here for a while. I said, so, where do you, where do you, you know, what do you believe? Well, I don't know. Okay. So then I had to step back and, and take a look at my life. We're used to, it, it, I, know, I know I've been raised in church all of my life, right? And so we're, we're used to, we're used to when we connect with somebody, we talk to them, have you felt a pull on your life? Have you felt God touch, you know, have you felt... Is it, is it real? This is, what I've, this is what I've been talking to some of our students about um, in our bolt groups. I said, is it real? And this is where we have to be very careful, and, and they're at the age now where you guys all know they have their own decisions to make. Is it real, or is it something that, their, that, that, that you all, that their mom, their dad, their grandpa, John, Selena, Pastor Brian, is it something that they've just shoved down their throat? So that they would believe it? Don't get me wrong, this is all great stuff, and I can tell them everything that I can tell them, and I can tell them, and Bree can get up there, and, and Morgan can get up there, Cody can get up there, Mitch, everybody. They can all get up there and do it, but it's on them to accept it or reject it. Right? And they have to do it for the right reasons, because if they do it because their mom and dad said so, and someday they'll stand in, in judgment. They will stand there, and their answer will be, because my mom and dad did I mean, that, that's, that's, that's what we do, at, that's what we're working with our teens about, is these are decisions, right? I made, poor, I made some horrible decisions, and I, it could go on and on with everybody, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure some are worse than others, but I'm telling you, I could make, I could, I could go a whole other night on, on decisions that I wish I'd have never made. Maybe my life would have been different. Maybe I would have reached this many people. Maybe I didn't reach these people because I didn't, I didn't do what I was supposed to do, Right? So I think we all have these little defining moments, and that's what we're working on our kids with, is have you heard, have you heard God's call? It's not, it's not, a nece- it's not in, my, in my mind, and this is, this is truly what I believe, it's not have you been called to do, it's what have you been called to do, right? Cindy Bennett comes in there, and she comes in every Wednesday night, and she comes in there, and she has asked me, she's, she's told me, I'll do anything that you, I'll do, I'll do whatever you guys need help with. She has been called to help with what we're doing. And she is furthering our, our youth group because of that, right? I'm telling you, Mitch and Cody, they, they hadn't got up and did a, did a lesson. Karen, she, she's going to get up there and do a lesson. I can see her grinning going in. But you see what I'm saying? God pulls us out of our comfort zone to do things that are eternal. Jonah could have went this way. Well, he did twice he went this way but whenever he gets spit out he goes this way right isn't that a wonderful analogy that's what you wanted to see right so so Jonah so when he does that hundred let's just call it a hundred let's just call it an even hundred thousand 
Praise God, right? If we can do that right here in the community of Marshfield, then save one, one. I mean, have we not done, have we not done what we're to do as a church? I struggled with this all week. I had, like I said, I, I, had, I had things in my mind that I wanted to say, and I talked to Pastor Brian about it, and I woke up this morning, and, and God just said, it's, that's not tonight. You're, that's not what you're going to say tonight. This, we need to do this, and, and I don't know why. Um, but he, he also, you know, I've, I've, I've struggled, too, on how to end it. But I do, I do want Alan to go ahead and, and start playing a, something. Um, and I do, I would just hate to, I'd hate to leave and not give somebody a chance to respond. I don't know. I don't know where you're at. Maybe this was for me. Maybe this was just for me to get up here and get out of my comfort zone. Maybe it was just for me to get up here and say something silly about my kids. I don't know. But are you listening? And when you have those moments and you have those defining moments, what defines you? Are, you? are you taking advantage of it? Are you grabbing it and running with it? Are you moving forward? Or are you stepping back? Are you, are you finding, are you, do you come to that point where it gets really hard? It would be, I'm telling you, this afternoon, I, I mean, this is going to sound horrible, right? But this is just where I was. This afternoon, I was almost going, man, I almost hope something happens and I cancel church for tonight because I didn't want to get up here and talk in front of everybody don't it scares me to death so you're one of those people that whenever something pops up do you do you say y'all yeah i'm in i'm in right and then it comes right down to the end of it right down right down to the right down to the big moment and you're just out because if you if that is that's not what god calls us to do god calls us to get that get that when you get that calling whatever it may be Tony's big into the, into the men's encounter, right? I was for a long time, and I, and I love it, and I miss it, right? But if Tony said, hey, hey, guys, I will take care of getting this here. I'll get take care of getting this here. I'll take care of getting this. I'll pray. I'll do the teaching. I'll do this testimony. I'll make sure we get the food, and we're good to go, right? Because that's what happens. In organization, that's what happens. And it came right down to it. And you know what? It just wasn't convenient for Tony or there was a couple guys at the men's encounter that he just, honest to goodness, just did, did not like. Those people could be forever affected and spend eternity not knowing God, right? And not knowing the Lord. But because we're obedient, when we're obedient, we may not get that second chance to be spit out of a fish. But if we pick up what God gives us, I mean, he's got nothing but blessings for all of us, right? Life's not, life's not easy. We, luckily, we get, some, we get some really easy decisions that are no-brainers, but most of the time, it's not. And teens, you guys are going through, if you're not in it right now, you're getting ready to go through some of the hardest decisions that you will ever face. And you can look on this side of the room, and everybody that's not a teen ought to be going like this, right? Because it's absolutely going to change your life on which way you go. Okay? And maybe some of those points have already came and gone, and maybe, it, maybe it's too late for that moment, but you've grown to who you are now because of what you've been through. Everybody you see sitting out here, I don't know where everybody is, everything that they've been through has made them who they are. Right? And so this isn't just for, their, for our teens, this is for everybody. But this is the question I want to ask. Are you running from something? Has God called you to do something? And what is that? 
you know, if God gives you enough time right on this earth, what's it going to take to get you to turn around? His was a fish. Spent three days in the belly of a fish, squashed up. He didn't have an app on his cell phone where he could flip a light on and stay comfy and look and see what was around him, right? He was bumping into stuff and he did not know what was going on. Is there a fish in your life? Is there something, is there something that, ha- that has a hold on you that you need to be spit back out of? Or, or is it, you know, are, you, have you, are you in the midst of that right now? So that's the question I've got for you. I'm going to open up the altars. If you guys want to come and pray, we're not going to linger very long. We'll get out of here so the kids can go and have a good time tonight. Um, but I do want to give you guys a chance to pray. And uh, yeah, I just appreciate you guys letting me come and talk. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and dismiss. Um, I'm going to dismiss us in prayer. And like I said, the teens, we're going to have our bonfire tonight. Parents, please, um, we'll try, let's try to do the 8.30 thing. Joe and Anita probably want to go to bed, and I'm sure we've got some cleaning up to do afterwards. And uh, I'm sure, I know Bree wants to go to bed. She's always ready to go to sleep. So um, if, you, if we if could, 8.30, and uh, if, if you allow your kids to come out there, I'll, I'll thank you ahead of time. We're going to have a good time. Thank you very much for everything tonight, and I'll, I'll close in prayer, and you guys can be dismissed. Father God, we come to you tonight and we thank you so much just for another night together in your house. God, I just thank you for each and every person that, that made the decision to come tonight. And I just pray that you would just bless them for coming and supporting our teens and supporting our church. God, I just thank you. I thank you for just what you've laid on my heart today. And I thank you for the, the miracles that I see each and every day. And I, I just thank you for what you've done in my life and, and helped me and molded me to be the, the person that I've come to be. God, I just pray that you be with each and every person as they go home and bless them as they go through the week and just, just help them to start off a good week and stay strong in you and we love you and we thank you for all that you do.